time has arrived once again. This is the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wig Trust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Chicago Cubs checking. Open online today at wintrust.com slash Cubs. Now today we're running the two-person weave. It's myself along with our Chicago Cubs sideline reporters, Taylor McGregor and Taylor. In just a little bit, we're going to listen in to you catching up with David Ross, talking all things 2020 as well as 2021. But, you know, I want to reflect just a little bit. You know, the season, it's wrapped up and you've been staying busy. You've been on that college football beat, but things, they've been just a little bit different this season. Can, Can you just let everybody know how things have changed for you on the collegiate sidelines? Yeah, that's it's been weird for everybody. There's of course the protocols and that's been different, but I think what people don't understand how different our jobs are as reporters is we're bouncing around from crew to crew each week because they kind of try to regionalize the talent um, and fit you into where is the closest to where you live to, to mitigate travel. So with that, you rotate from crew to crew, which is challenging because, you know, you have to sort of spend part of your week getting to know the producer and the play-by-play and analysts and how they do things on top of preparing for a game. So to me, that's been fun getting to know a lot more people within the ESPN umbrella, um, but also a challenge at the same time because different people have their different ways of doing things and, and you have to adjust to that. And, I, and I've always felt like, you know, the best shows are when the chemistry is apparent to everybody. And so having to develop that quickly is a challenge. Um, but with all of that being said, you know, I'm, I'm just so grateful that college football is still being played. This is I'm going to Stanford UCLA this weekend at the Rose Bowl. And this is sort of an X week game as they're calling it. So in addition, additional game, it wasn't initially scheduled when the Pac-12 announced um, their 2020 season. So everything is is just a game of adjustments. And Stanford's been on the road for 19 days. Mm. So it's just crazy, but um, it's been, I think I'll look back and, and be, you know, lucky to have called the games that I have this season. And, and despite the craziness, it's still been special in a way. And Taylor, are, are you a golfer at all? Do you, do, you, do you play golf? Well, I'm no Cole Wright, but you know, oh. I dabble. That's good. That's, that's good that you're not Cole Wright, the king of the four putt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I actually, it's funny you say four putt because I've always been really good with my driver, um, with my irons. And then the minute I get on the green, it's like, I've never picked up a golf club so I can get on in two or three. And then all of a sudden I have a 12 putt. It's just ridiculous. So maybe I need to go spend more time at some putt putt golf courses. I don't know if we have those in Chicago, but maybe that's what I need to do. I feel like they closed a lot of them down. You know, back when I was a kid uh, out in uh, the, the Aurora Naperville area, they had Smuggler's Cove. And as I've gone back over the years, Smuggler's Cove, out of there. <laughs> uh, apparently, they didn't do enough smuggling to, to, to keep that place a- alive and well. But since you're going to the Rose Bowl, there, there's a golf course that's attached, essentially, the parking lots. They're connected. It's a Brookside golf course. I used to go there. I used to play a lot of golf, you know, when I had the free time. And uh, I, someone that you're familiar with, uh, uh, the Super Bowl MVP, 2,000-yard rushing guy, Terrell Davis, the world's luckiest golfer. So TD and I used to golf there all the time. And, you know, we were on the 18th hole, and we were tied, deadlocked. 
And I was like, man, I got you right here, man. I'm like, you're not clutch. As I talked to one of the most clutch players, the most clutch running back in the history of the NFL's postseason. And we take our shots. He puts his on the green. I put mine over the cart path on the back of the green. And uh, I ended up three putting for double bogey and TD ended up burning the hole and I lost. So that's what I'm happens. I'm shocked. I'm sorry that's what to happens say. When you try to, but but I, I know you know TD and, and TD, if you ever see him, go up to him unsolicited and say, so I heard you're the world's luckiest golfer. That's He says, you know what? It's funny. The more I practice, the luckier I get. So that, that's, that's, that's a quick story, but there's a, a tremendous golf course right next to the Rose Bowl, just in case you have some time and they have a range. So if you want to work on your putt and stroke, maybe get the driver dusted off a little bit, I'm sure they'd be more than happy to oblige. Maybe I will do that. Um, but back to TD, if I ever have the chance to walk up to him and ask him about that, I'll also have to tell him that as a, as a young elementary school kid, I played him on the, the playground. So, you know, growing yes. up in Denver, that was the guy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm not surprised. And, I'm not surprised he beat you in golf, Cole. I hate to say yes, it. Yes, surprised. My last day at NFL Network, you know, I did, I did a show with him. And he, what did he give me? He gave me a bunch of Sour Patch straws, you know, fr- from the green room. He's like, oh, man, these are special for you. I'm like, man, you just got these out of the green room. I'm like, <laughs> how, how dare he? Like, unbelievable. But, you know, as, as we talk about, you know, the Cubs and getting back to baseball. And, you know, like we said, you've been on that college football beat, you know, all offseason long. There's been a lot of changes with, with the Northsiders. I mean, we saw Theo step down as president of baseball operations. Jed stepped right into that role seamlessly. I mean, he hit the ground running. I, I'm really excited to see all the new things that he's going to bring to this ball club because, after all, 2020, a different year. Hopefully, 2021, it's going to get us a little bit closer back to some of that normalcy, Taylor. Yeah, you know, um, I think – the crazy part about this whole pandemic, as we all know, is it's everybody's best guess. We can keep guessing what's going to happen and nobody really knows. And so I think this offseason has been interesting because you've kind of seen that play out with free agency. I think a big reason a lot of clubs haven't made a, a large amount of moves is because they just don't know what their financial situation is going to look like, what next season's going to look like to therefore, you know, be able to play into the finances. And so the, to me, this off season has been interesting because it's, I think you're just seeing everybody, the decision makers sitting back and being like, we can't really make decisions yet because we just don't know. So the Cubs have gone through a lot of, a lot of changes. Um, and it's going to be fun, I think, to see kind of, guys get new opportunities and new roles and, and see how that plays out. But to me, it's just kind of the story of the off season has been like, yep, we still don't know. <laughs> we still don't yeah. know what the state of the world is and, and what the future of baseball is going to look like. Yeah. Like I, like we said, I'm interested to see how things are going to shake out for, for the Cubs, not only for the, the immediate future, but in the long term with, with Jed, because I know he does have a master plan. And like I say, I'm interested to see, but, I mean, Taylor, we're on this Zoom call right now as we knock out this 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 podcast. I can barely see. I mean, last week, you know, my, my eyes, I've got pink eye. I'm dealing with an unbelievable bout of pink eye right now. And I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Let me, let me just let you know. Have you ever had pink eye before? I think I did when I was really young, but I don't really mm. remember it. I don't then you didn't really have pink eye, yeah. man, if you don't remember it. Because let me let yeah. you know, you will never forget pink eye like, like this. Because I, I feel like there's a certain problem. And like I said, after we get done with this, I'm going straight to the ophthalmologist for, for my third appointment, just to make sure that things 
are back on track. But uh, like I said, I'm interested to see. It was my little little creative way of me getting in there. If anyone is watching this, on, on just to let everyone know what's wrong with my face. It's it's not it's 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 pink eye. That's that's what's going on right now. But you know, when you look at the just the complexion of the team and how things have changed. I mean, it, it was quite a surprise when when Kyle Schwarber was was not retained and his his deal was not tendered. And you know, it's it's tough to see him go, but I, I guess that's kind of just what it is. Baseball in 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 2020 and beyond, you're going to see a lot of changes. But that doesn't mean the door is 100% closed. But with the way things are are moving and shaking, I mean, who knows what's next? Yeah, I think you you're right on the money though. There, I I don't know if it's a an officially closed door. Um, but I think, again, it goes back to the uncertainty of the business and the fact that it is a business, you know, Kyle Schwarber is beloved. And that was very clear to anybody who listened to Jed talk or, I mean, Theo for that manner in, in, in the past, he, he's beloved in Chicago and always will be because of what he did here during his time. And, um, but it, this ultimately comes down to a business decision and baseball's always been that, but I think even more so right now, you kind of have to, you know, put, put your walls up and understand the financial situation that every club is in and, and, and probably make a little harder decisions simply because you're, you're having to be more reserved in this time, because again, there's just a lot more uncertainty. And I think if there's anything that everybody learned through this year is you just, you're going to have to start planning for the worst. I don't know if, um, you know, a lot of people were living potentially to live through a pandemic, you know, you weren't prepared for that. And, and, and businesses of course have to, to have to deal with, with things like this potentially coming into play in the future. So that was a long winded answer, but basically to say the door is not closed for Kyle Schorber in, in Chicago. Um, but you understand why the move was made. And I think we're going to continually see more moves like that being made because of the world that we're living in this year. Absolutely. And when you say beloved, I mean, I, I don't, there's always, there's always trigger words for me. When, when I think that I, I always think back to, to Anchorman, Ron Burgundy. He's like, what do you mean? I'm beloved by all the, by all the people of San Diego. It's, it's whenever I think beloved and Kyle Schwarber, he's certainly someone who has etched his way into the hearts of Cubs fans. I mean, it, it, when it came to that 2016 world series championship, I mean, that, that guy coming back on the mend, I mean, it's, it's almost like a, a storybook for him. And it's, it's, it's tough to see, the way things you know, somewhat ended, but like we said, it's not 100% a closed door. So we'll see how things unfold in, in the weeks, days, and months to come. So, you know, you were able to catch up with David Ross, and I'm sure you were able to pick his brain about Kyle Schwarber, about Jed Hoyer, about Theo Epstein. So, you know, real quick, let's have a listen to that and, and, and see what, uh, what, what David Ross had to say. Rossi, it's so good to see you. It's been a long time. How is your offseason going right now? What are you up to? Just hanging out, being dad. Good to see you too, Taylor. Yes, um, just you know, dad duty to uh, to and from school. My daughter's into volleyball and uh, baseball's right around the corner. So yeah, just enjoying a little bit of downtime, uh, getting back to the uh, the kind of home life here in Florida, and just trying to enjoy enjoy a little bit of that, play a little bit of golf every once in a while. That's that's about it. 
enjoying the Florida weather, that's for sure. Um, as a player, I know in the offseason, you kind of get into a routine of when you're going to start hitting and what have you. So I'm curious, as a, as a manager, is there an offseason schedule that you kind of have, have learned this year? I, I'm learning there is no offseason for the manager, really, is what I, yeah. that's really what I'm learning. Uh, no, but yeah, it's like um, a nice little schedule that I have where I um, I usually talk to a couple of the coaches uh, early in the week, and then I'll get to um, some R&D stuff on the back end. We have a leadership uh, Zoom on uh, Tuesdays uh, where we, you know, we talk to a lot of department heads and Jed's kind of leading that stuff, and then uh, periodic phone calls with Jed back and forth. I went up to Chicago um, a couple weeks ago just to check in with those guys, kind of look around, find an apartment um, for myself going into next year and uh, just get a couple things uh, that I needed to get done up there. So um, all in all, it's been it's been good. I got a nice little routine. I've, I've got um, I get to really love on the kids while I'm here and, and just try to take advantage of that that free time. Because of your background as a player and even really as a media member, I mean, you know, the rumors, the talk and everything that goes on um, in our game. And so how as a manager do you balance all of these rumors um, and, and your relationships with the guys and, and the way that you plan for a season? How does that all come into the way that you approach your job? I, you know, I really, you, you, it, that's just what they are. Like I've, I've heard about the Chris Bryant rumors for how many years now, right? Like, and yeah. so I really try to live in the moment with that stuff. And, and you know, I'll get up and read uh, some articles every once in a while or somebody will send me. Um, but I try to stay in the moment. If something major is going to go down with our group, Jed's going to call me um, and we're going to talk about it. Um, so I don't feel like anything's going to surprise me and, and just stay in uh, in the moment with all that is, is really the best way to live. I think speculation is just, it's always dr dr drove me crazy because, you know, and predictions is with, you know, especially in the media world is so impossible, I think, because there's so much um, that can happen and change. So um, I literally look at the roster uh, when I flip on Ivy and all the guys' faces, and that's who I feel like I'm going to work with. And, and that's who I'm going to battle with and trying to, trying to plan accordingly with that group. If something changes, then we'll adjust, I think. You know, that's why we, we, we call this this uh, the game of adjustments, right? Like, that's the cliche. And <laughs> it really is. Like, we got to you, you, you sometimes learn to adjust on the fly. And that's why we call this talking season, because that's all it is, just talk. Uh, Rossi, I would be right. remiss if, if I didn't ask you about Theo Epstein. You mentioned that this was not a surprise to you. It, it had been in conversation. You knew it was coming. What was your initial reaction when he first told you about his, his plans to move on? My initial reaction was he can't come in my office after the game and be mad anymore. That was my <laughs> initial reaction. Um, no, seriously, he, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, an exciting time and a sad time, right? Like I see the hard work that Jed is putting in and the energy he has and the passion he has uh, behind um, – you know, now leading this organization on the baseball side and um, what a good job he's doing and how hard he's working. And then, you know, losing what what I would say one of the best leaders I've ever been around um, and the expectation he's created here, um, he's going to be missed. But, it, you know, from my standpoint, I can pick up the phone and call him at any point if I need advice on anything. And Jed can as well. It's not he's not disappearing. He's just no longer has a, a million things on his plate. Uh, on a daily basis. So 
Um, he'll be around. I know he will. He's a friend. Um, I'm so thankful for so much he's done for me in my career. I mean, um, we talk about some guys that have done some things for me, but he, he's he's put me on a really nice path with some real truths early on. And um, I think that's what I'll probably miss the most is his ability to give you uh, the real truth without it hurting your feelings. It's just facts. Here, Here's the real uh, substance uh, of what needs to change or how we can be better. And um, but there's there's a little part of me that knows I'll probably get that in some form or, or another. After <laughs> we're changing the locks down and uh, we're taking him off the security <laughs> keypad, so he couldn't get down there. But uh, he's definitely going to be missed, and, and what he's done here uh, in Chicago is historic. But um, there's some excitement too because uh, I'm Jed is so passionate, and I've really enjoyed our our conversations daily uh, a lot. Awesome. Well, we look forward to the future as well. Rossi, thanks so much for your time. I can't wait to see you. Hopefully it's spring trading in a few months. Good to talk to you, Taylor, always. Take care and Merry Christmas. All right, Taylor, that was good stuff with you and David Ross. Uh, we saw that on the stadium. That airs weekdays on Marquee at 530. You may want to tune into that for more Cubs, Bears, Bulls, Blackhawks news, everything under the sun when it comes to the city of Chicago sports. Now, Taylor, when we take a back, a look back rather at 2020, as crazy as things were, baseball was able to provide just a little bit of normalcy. And for baseball to be able to calm the nerves of sports fans out there, that was certainly a good thing. It was. And I think that's why I, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that I am so thankful to have been a small part of that. And Cole, I'm sure you feel the same way in a sense, you know, with all the craziness, the fact that baseball could provide that getaway and that we could, you know, hopefully as broadcasters sort of encapsulate what the experience was like for everybody involved um, and, and to help fans get away, um, I'm, I'm thankful to have been a part of that. So it this year was just crazy and wild, um, but I'm trying to focus on the positive. And if there's, if there's a positive, I'm just so grateful to have been a part of seeing baseball in person and broadcasting it for everybody at home to enjoy. As we took a look at this season, Taylor, obviously it was a little bit different from so many different aspects. I mean, I, it was a little more complicated for you to do your job, but you, you tackled the task at hand. You did it with ease and you made it look as easy as can be, you did a fantastic job. And uh, there were a lot of things that you had to do to maybe chew up time that you wouldn't normally do. I know we saw you with a lot of memorabilia, but with the, you gave things the white glove treatment. The, you know, they had those, those gloves on, you weren't allowed to touch some of those old artifacts. I saw that you had, you know, uh, the, the goal markers from uh, when the Bears played at Wrigley Field, you had old scorecards. What, what was that like? And uh, what was the warning that was given to you before you were, you were handed those things? <laughs> well, first of all, thank you. And I just need to give a big shout out to our production crew because they really helped me come up with some of the creative ideas because essentially, like you said, my job was so much different. I mean, usually day to day, it's to go into the clubhouse and talk to guys and bring information to the broadcast that nobody else has and that is of interest up to the viewers at home. But that was basically eliminated for me this year because there was no one-on-one -on -one access and everything that the broadcasters heard on the big Zoom calls is what I heard. So there was nothing really that I could add um, from that element, you know, because they had already heard everything. So I kind of said with, with help of people from the production crew of, okay, how can we still make this interesting and what can we potentially bring to the broadcast 
um, that it would be unique to this year, things that you could never do if there was baseball being played on the field at Wrigley. And then, um, you know, try to just still have interest to the viewer. And so we were able to get our hands on some of the artifacts from the Cubs' long history and, of course, their relationship with the Bears, like you mentioned, um, the, the, the fourth down marker. So it was really cool to be able to, A, just see those artifacts, but then um, incorporate them into, into the broadcast in different ways. But I think what was so crazy to me when I would hold a lot of those artifacts is just how much it, it has changed over the course of, you know, 50 years. When you think about 50 years ago, what the world was like, and maybe that's me just getting sentimental, but you're like, okay, 50 years ago, they didn't even know what a computer was or what a cell phone was. And I just imagine everything that's changed in our world and in the game of baseball. And so for me, that was kind of my, my biggest takeaways is just how much our world has changed over the course of 50 years or, or some of the world series tickets that, you know, were 80 years old of just how much everything has changed in 80 years and 80 years in one way doesn't seem like a long time, but then in another way, it seems like forever ago. Um, not that I would know, not that I'm 80 years old, but you, you get the point is <laughs> it's, so what are you trying to say? Kind of uh, Cole, Cole, tell me what it was like before uh, before cars. Uh, tell me what it was like. Produced. Yeah, yeah it, it's crazy. So it was a lot of fun. I mean, I'm thankful to everybody who kind of got on board and allowed us to tell unique stories that we probably never would have been able to tell in a normal season, and and just tried to you know make the most of the situation that we were put in. Was there any piece of memorabilia or any of the artifacts that not only did you think were like super cool, but ones that taught you a little something that you didn't know about Wrigley prior to? Well, so this wasn't really an, an artifact, but one of my favorite stories, and it was cool because, you know, Cub fans forever tweeted at me and messaged me and said, I didn't even know that. And it was about the, um, the, I'm blanking on the word, but the the little house outside of Wrigley where the the caretaker yeah, where the, the caretaker's, caretaker, home. The caretaker's right. uh, so, quarters. Yeah. Quarters, caretaker's yeah. cottage. If yeah. you will, correct. So so we got a lot of good information on there, but essentially what the story that you, I told you did a walk and talk too, coming out of the door down the stairs. I remember that yeah, was that, that was pretty slick. Skill. So walk and talks <laughs> just those take skill. But the nice. story behind that was there was a horseshoe that was flipped upside down mm -hmm. in the caretaker's house when they found it. And then in 2016, they flipped it up right side up. And of course that was the year that the Cubs won the world series. And so just little things like that um, were really, really cool to, to hear and just, you know, understand the rich history. So a lot of the artifacts, but that story probably stood out to me the most. Could you imagine if that was the problem all along? If the, the old caretaker, I'm like, you idiot, you put the, the horseshoe upside down and look at for 108 years, we didn't win anything because of you. I mean, if you yeah, get, get in so. touch with Biff Tannen and, uh, and a DeLorean anytime soon, we need to go back and get in touch with that groundskeeper and, and tell him to put that, that horseshoe the right way. The right yeah, way. I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, come, come on. on now. <laughs> uh, when it, uh, 2020, though, Taylor, when it comes to just the oddities and we talked about at the beginning of the, of the podcast how, how different it was for you to do your job and carry out all of your assignments. So what was the biggest obstacle that you faced this year when it came to this, just the season in general? 
It was just a lack of access. I think, um, I, you know, I had been doing this for a few years with another team. And so you get to know and kind of create your way of being a reporter and what, and the way that you go about getting information and, and bringing things that are unique to the broadcast. And of course, for me, it was just building relationships with the guys and being able to go into the clubhouse and look at the game from the previous night and, and get information that I could add onto the broadcast that day. And you could talk to five, six, seven, eight guys if you needed to. Um, and of course that was all eliminated. And so every way that I had become accustomed to doing my job was sort of stripped away. And I would say that was hands down the hardest part. <laughs> I mean, I remember when they first said, you know, no clubhouse access, I was like, what, how am I supposed to do this? Um, but with that being said, everybody had to adjust. So we all had, I mean, you, you as well, Cole, I mean, you would be in the clubhouse at times talking to guys and, and getting information. And so we all had to adjust and it was a crazy year. Even the fans, I mean, they weren't able to come to the ballpark. So we all, we all suffered in a way, um, unfortunately, but the good news is, is I feel like we can only go up from here. Hopefully. Do you feel like the, the relationships that, you know, especially in year one, were you able to still build upon those? I mean, when you have Zoom conferences, they're a little bit different than, you know, actually being in the clubhouse. However, I, at least from what I've seen, it makes people focus in on who they're speaking with, who they're talking to. Did, did you notice that a little bit more? Did you, did you get some more, some more thought out questions or answers rather from, from guys on the team? And whether or not it was just guys on the team, just people in general, did you notice that they were a, a little more focused in and their eyes weren't darting around the clubhouse? They weren't looking to get out of a, an interview session a little, maybe, maybe sooner rather than later. Maybe. I think there's certainly probably truth to that. And, and that goes to just the credit of the Cubs and, and the guys in that clubhouse for really buying into this situation and, and helping us out because um, this is a unique year again for all of us. And they had, changes as well you know they're not used to going and sitting in those zoom rooms and having to communicate via zoom and so i i give a lot of credit to them for taking that seriously and and you know giving quality answers and really being thoughtful and in, in their responses for for all of us so um if if that you know really made a difference i believe that's probably just a credit to the kind of guys in the cubs clubhouse yeah, because like, like I said, you know, you know, when you do interviews in the clubhouse after a game, sometimes, you know, you, you get a guy, may, maybe you'll get him for 25 seconds, maybe 40 seconds. But in, in the Zoom rooms, I think that there's that allotted amount of time and they kind of know that, OK, I have to be here for three minutes, five mm -hmm. minutes, whatever the time frame is. And I have to answer these questions. So I might as well do it anyways. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm just here so I won't get fined. Yeah, none of that. So that was good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the worst Marshawn Lynch in, in the history of Marshawn Lynch impersonations. So, we can't uh, all be Cole Wright with our we'll just We'll just move along to the offseason because that's where we're at right now. You know, it's hot stove and you know, there's so many stories that have been swirling around Major League Baseball. But one that really jumped off the page to me was the Miami Marlins and the hiring of their new general manager, Kim Ang. Not only is she the first woman in that role, but she's the first Asian-American to find themselves in that general manager role. What, what a day, not just for Major League Baseball, but for all professional sports in America, just to see 
the, the changing of the guard, knowing that, hey, anyone can do this job. And right now we had, we've had a lot of success in the past. You know, most recently we, we saw what the Marlins were able to do versus the Cubs. I mean, they threw two buzzsaws at the Cubs in, in that two-game series sweep. And for them to take that next step and, and have Kim Ang as their next GM, showing what baseball can be and what it will be in the future, I mean, it's groundbreaking, Taylor. It, it was so cool to see. And I'll tell you, first and foremost, she is so qualified for this job. When you look at her resume and the World Series titles, the organizations, it, it was so cool to see. And I'll tell you, first and foremost, she is so qualified for this job. When you look at her resume and the World Series titles, the organizations that she's been with. I mean, Cole, you're with the Dodgers. The Dodgers just won a World Series. I think you know, the way that they do things, you have to give a lot of credit to the way that their front office is operated. They've found success and they found it over a long period of time. And so I think um, her history there, when you look at the Yankees, I mean, she is qualified for this job. And it, it's just, it, it's awesome that the Marlins noticed that and, and recognize that. And now they're saying, okay, we have this core group, what they believe really is going to be a winner. And they're trusting her to help develop that, which is just a credit to her and, and a credit to um, what she's built for herself within Major League Baseball. What was cool for me to see when she got hired is just so many people all around baseball saying she deserves this. And so that is um, a, a huge credit to her and just shows that she earned this and she deserves this. And, and this is not necessarily about being a, a female or a male this is just a person who deserves this job and that's what I'm happy for her that she has gotten to that point now um to build upon though the fact that she is a woman how cool for the next generation of females even even females like myself who you know currently work in baseball to know that there is no glass ceiling when it comes to working in the front office anymore I mean the GM is is the the person and the fact that a woman can step into that role is incredible. Um, Cole, you, you can tell the story about your daughter wanting to be a female GM. I always, as a, as a young girl, I kind of always, you know, said I would like to be a GM and now it's like, that is obtainable and that's something that you can do. And so how cool for, for Paisley that she can, and you can use that as an example and say, Hey, listen, you can go do that. I mean, that, that to me is one of the coolest parts about all of this. Absolutely. Like you said, you know, I have a daughter, she's eight years old and you know, she's about to turn nine and you know, she's grown up around baseball. She plays softball like it's going out of style. And, you know, uh, one day she asked me, this is a few, a few years ago, you know, dad, can I play major league baseball? And I said, well, I said, you, you never know. I said, it's, it's a lot of years in the, in the future by that time. But I said, it, it, until then, I said, you, maybe you could be the, the GM. I said, there's never been, you know, a, a, a woman that's been a GM of a team before. Maybe you could be the first. And, and now with Kim Ang being introduced as the Marlins GM, you know, she, my daughter w won't be the first, but she could be one of many as, as we look down the road. And, and that's, that's one thing that's fantastic to me because you know, we, we talked about, you know, the, when watching the World Series and, you know, she was, she looked at me and kind of scratched her head. Like, why'd they take Blake Snell out? She's like, I would, I'm like, it's the numbers. It's the numbers. She's like, I would never go with the numbers. And I'm like, if that's the GM that she's going to be in the future, I'll, I'll be an old man sitting <laughs> on my couch and I'll be very proud that she does not go with all analytics. Sometimes she goes with her gut and lets her skipper down there in the dugout do what he needs to do. But, you know, as I look forward 
to the next season. What's what's coming next? You know, we talked about it on our on our coaches co- coaches show. You know, Skipper of the Year show with David Ross. We tipped our cap to him, and then we had a Cy Young show on Marquee as well. You know, focusing on you, Darvish. But we also talked about the fact that the major league season is supposed to get underway on, on April first. I mean, there's so many question marks going on right now, Taylor, with everything being shut down back again in Chicago, in, in, the, in, the, in the confines of the city. April 1st, that, that, that sounds very optimistic, but, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, we will see Chicago Cubs baseball get back to it, full swing, spring training in Arizona, or maybe we'll see it at an alternate site. Who knows? Hopefully, we will see baseball, however, on April 1st. And that's everybody's, you know, wish. Um, the crazy thing about this virus is it changes constantly. You know, if if you would have told us when everything shut down back in March that we wouldn't be playing baseball until July, I would have said, you're crazy. You know, this is only going to be a few weeks. And then joke's on me. Um, and then in July, if you would have said, hey, Chicago is going to be on a stay-at-home advisory again in November, I would have said, that's not going to happen. And, of course, here we are. So maybe I'm just naive. I'm not sure, um, but you know this. This is an unpredictable virus, and I think the thing that we can all do is just take steps to be as safe as we can possibly be, and um, let the rest take care of itself. Because you know, unless we just take steps to try to beat it, I don't know how else you know we're going to be playing baseball on April 1st. But I guess I'm just sitting here, fingers crossed, toes crossed. I mean, shoot. Yeah. That's all That's all I can do. Wear a mask. Yeah, that's right, Taylor. Wear a mask, especially if you want to see baseball return to its usual self in 2021. Hopefully we will see fans in full in attendance in baseball games this upcoming season. And who knows, Taylor, maybe we'll have the Marquee Sports Network desk right out in front of Wrigley Field, the friendly confines and fans. They'll be able to congregate at Gallagher Way. It'll be just like the old days. That's that's a, that's a new phrase that we're using, the old days, because 2019, yeah, those were the olden days. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast brought to you by Trust. And don't forget, download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever get your podcast and do it today and until next time happy holidays everyone and thanks for listening